Hello, Cathedral family. God is good and all the time. It's sure great to see you. Thanks so much for being here, whether you're uh, on site, in the building, outside the building, in the parking lot, or all those who are watching online, different campuses around the Bay. We're in this uh, journey with 150 churches around the Bay Area. We've been exploring some of the big questions that people have. Um, last week, we talked about what is it that makes Jesus stand out among all the others. And today's question has to do with the Bible. Now, I went online and I typed in, how many different books are there in the world? Distinct different books. And are you ready for this? There are 156 million different distinct books. That's a lot of books. How many bookshelves would you need to house all those books? There's no shortage of books. And yet in the middle of all those books, what is it that makes the Bible so unique? Well, if you wonder what the best-selling book of all time is, the answer is the Bible. It's sold more copies than The Hunger Games, than Harry Potter, than, well, than Sherlock Holmes. You're gonna find this hard to believe, but it's even sold more copies than my book, Imagine Living Your Dream. <laughs> How can that be? Not only is it the most, is it the best-selling book of all time, but if you're wondering what is the most translated book of all time, the answer is... I heard about this family that was visiting a church and uh, the pastor announced that there were Spanish Bibles that were also available if they needed one. And so the little four-year-old boy said, Mom, Mom, I want a Spanish Bible. And she said to him, well, you can't read Spanish. And the boy said, well, I can't read English either. <laughs> you know, the Bible is translated in Spanish and in English. Did you know that more than 90% of the world's population has some portion of the Bible translated into its language? And that percentage keeps growing every year. In Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 14, we read this. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And we see that happening in our generation. Yeah, can we give him praise? Amen. The advance of the scriptures. It's the best-selling book. It's the most translated book. If you want to guess what is the book that's had the most influence in human history, the answer again would be the Bible. Especially here in the West. It has influenced our art and our architecture and our laws. It's influenced our human rights, our animal rights, even our music, one of the biggest rock bands in the world is named U2. And one of their songs is entitled 40. And they took the lyrics from this song right from the Bible, Psalm chapter 40. It sings, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined and heard my cry. He lifts me up out of the pit and out of the miry clay. Or well, the Bible 
It's the best-selling book, the most translated book. It's the most influential book. But here's another question I want to address. Is the Bible reliable? How credible is the Bible? Because if you're like me living here in the Bay Area, every once in a while you run into somebody who, you know, I had a friend, well, I have a friend, and he used to work with a guy, he works in high tech, and he worked with a guy that when it came to the Bible, the guy, well, this was his take on the Bible. He thought that the Bible had no historical basis, nor historical roots, that it was more like a collection of myths and fables that to him, he put it this way. He said, the Bible's just a comic book to me. And every once in a while, you run into somebody at work or at school or at the gym or on the team and, or you watch something on television or you read something in the newspaper or you see something online and it gets you scratching your head and you wonder, well, how credible is the Bible? Or is it more just like a comic book? Well, I would suggest that if you do a little digging, that you'll find that the Bible is the most credible, reliable, ancient document we have. Take, for example, archaeology. Agatha Christie, I love what she said. She said, an archaeologist is the best husband any woman can have. The older she gets, the more interested he is in her. In archaeology, there have been lots of findings that, well, that match up with the people and places of the Bible to the surprise of the comic book critics. For example, for years, comic book critics would say, there really was nobody that existed that is the biblical character of David that when it comes to David and the story of David and the dynasty of David that you find in the Bible, that it was all myth and it was all legend. There was no evidence outside of the Bible itself that gave indication that there was a person by the name of David who was a king and who had a dynasty. So if you're looking for David, you might as well be looking for Superman or Batman. That's what they said for years until in 1993. Archaeologists are digging in the northern part of Israel and they find this broken stone that's 2,800 years old. And they look at the writing on the stone and it talks about a battle, an ancient battle between the king of Aram and the king of the house of David. And in that one finding, it sent the comic book critics back to their corners and we found out that the Bible isn't such bad history after all. That the Bible, yeah, amen. In fact, one renowned archeologist, he said this. He said, scores of archeological findings have been made which confirm in clear outline or exact detail historical statements in the Bible. Does that sound like a comic book to you? See, the Bible's the most 
reliable, credible, ancient document we have. The Bible itself says these words are trustworthy and they are true. Can we give God praise for his word? Amen. You can trust, you can have confidence in the book that's in your hands. But here's another question, all right? I believe in its credibility, but why does it matter to me? Why should I invest time? Why should I? Reading this book. In one film, there's a man, he has a Bible and he's trying to read it. Watch the screens and see if you remember this. I ain't stealing no ship. It ain't stealing. It's salvaging. Since when did you care? Since we're not immortal no more. We gotta take care of our immortal souls. You know you can't read. It's the Bible, you get credit for trying. <laughs> you get credit for trying. But why should we even try? And why does the Bible matter so much? And that's why I wanna spend the rest of our time together on, and I'm gonna invite you to stand with me, please, for the reading of a scripture, because this is really the key to why the Bible matters to us. In fact, if you would, can we all read this out loud together? And let's fill this place with the word of God. Everybody say it with me. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. All scripture is inspired and all scripture is useful. Can we give God praise once again for his word? Amen. You can be seated. All scripture is inspired. I sometimes we'll say, man, that chef was inspired to cook that meal or that band was inspired to write that song or that team was inspired to play a game. But when we come to the scriptures, the level of inspiration is much more profound. In fact, there's another translation of that same passage. It reads this way. It says, every part of scripture is God-breathed and useful one way or another, showing us truth, exposing our rebellion, correcting our mistakes, training us to live God's way. Through the word, we are put together and shaped up for the task that God has given for us. Every part of the scripture is God-breathed. I invite you, if you're comfortable do the, uh, doing this, if we get interactive, would you just take a big breath in with me? Let's inhale. And then exhale. That's why this book matters. That this book, it was written over 1,500 years by 40 different writers in three different languages, but the breath of God was behind it all, giving us his word. God wanted to reveal himself to us, so he gave us a word. He gave us the word. By the breath of the spirit, we have the word of God. This is the primary way God speaks to us when you're going to read the Bible, when someone asks, are you going to read your Bible? You say, no, actually, I'm going to hear from God. Because the breath 
of the Spirit gives us the divine word. That's what inspiration means. This is God's word to us. Now, it's one thing to claim to be inspired. There are other books that claim inspiration. But how do we know that this claim is true? Well, there are lots of reasons. Let me give you one. The prophecies that are found in this book. Every once in a while, more than once in a while, the writers would make a big, bold prediction about the future. There are over 2,500 prophecies that are made in the Bible, and 2,000 of those prophecies have already come to pass. 2,000. I wonder what the odds are that one book would make 2,000 predictions and those would all come to pass. Well, I looked up some other odds. Did you know that the odds of you getting audited by the IRS is one in 160? Nobody wants to beat those odds. <laughs> the odds of you making a hole-in-one on the golf course is one in 5,000. Some of my friends have beat those odds. The odds of you getting injured on the toilet is one in 10,000. Don't you hate when that happens? <laughs> the odds of you dating a supermodel are one in 88,000. Well, I beat those odds. I didn't just date a supermodel. I married a supermodel. Yeah. The odds of you being canonized are one in 20 million. I don't have a shot at beating those odds. The odds of you winning the Powerball jackpot are one in 292 million. So you're saying there's a chance. So what are the odds that in one book, 2,000 predictions are made that those would come to pass? Well, you can see the number behind me on the screen. One in, it's such a big number, I don't even know how to say it. Do you know any other book like that? See, the Bible is inspired. And not only do we have the word, the divine word, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21 says this about the prophecies that we find in the Bible. No prophecy ever originated from humans. Instead, it was given by the Holy Spirit as humans spoke under God's direction. Can we give God praise for his word? Amen. The divine breath gives us a divine word. That the Bible's inspired and the Bible is also useful. It's amazing to me how strikingly relevant, even though it's an ancient book, the stories that it, it tells. I, I, right now, there's a lot of discussion in our culture about artificial intelligence. How should we handle artificial intelligence? And there's a great fear that, well, what we've created to actually serve our purpose may go all terminator on us and rebel against our authority. Can you imagine creating something to serve your purpose and having it rebel against your authority? Does that story sound familiar to you? That's the story of the human race. 
God creates us and we rebel against his authority. I mean, when you read the Bible, the stories, you've got the underdog victory of David over Goliath, and you've got the bouncing back of Peter after a miserable failure. And after suffering and death, there's the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And you have a small community of people called the church that changed the world through the power of God. The stories of the Bible, even though they're ancient, they still resonate with the human experience. They're useful. They speak to us. In fact, one of the greatest poets of our generation, the late Maya Angelou, she once had this to say about the usefulness of the scriptures. I can't separate the Bible from my first memories. I cannot. So I, I would say the Bible has helped me all my life before I even knew how to read and certainly how to write. For me, the Bible is a map in the hands of a journeyman. This map will show you every stop. It will help you to see where you can get water. It will show you the oases. It is the atlas of life. It, yeah, yeah. What a great statement that the Bible's like an atlas. It's like a, a map that shows us our way. The Bible says this about itself. Your word is a lamp for my feet and it's a light upon my path. This is why the Bible matters. It shows us the way to get to know our creator. It shows us how to raise our kids. It shows us how to manage our finances. It shows us how to conduct our business. It shows us how to have peace in our minds. It shows us how to have joy in our hearts. It shows us how to have purpose in this life. It shows us how to have hope for the next life. It even shows you how to keep romance alive in your marriage. Hello! I saw this one comic and the lady's telling a friend, she says this, he used to kiss me and I'd see fireworks. Now all I see are flared nostrils. If you could use a little igniting of romance in your marriage as a husband and wife, I would encourage you to read through the book of the Song of Solomon together because you'll come across passages that read this way. Let, me, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth for your love is more delightful than wine. Is it getting warm in here or is it just me? <laughs> now that I have every husband's attention in the house, is that really in the Bible? It's really in the Bible. And now that I have your attention, I wanna give you a challenge. For some reason, last year, a national survey found that in 2022, Bible reading in our country took a big nosedive. I'm not sure why that is. But how about at Cathedral, we reverse the trend this week. I wanna challenge you over the next seven days, you can do anything for seven days. Over the next seven days, read one chapter a day from the book of Mark. 
Mark is one of the biographies of Jesus. You'll get to know Jesus, the teachings of Jesus, the person of Jesus. One chapter a day over the next seven days. Now let me give you a heads up. As you're reading, you may run into some things you don't understand. Even one of the writers of the Bible, he talked about some things he didn't understand. That Peter said this about the letters of Paul. He said, some things in these letters are hard to understand. Things the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they also do the rest of the scriptures. If you run into something you don't understand, here's my encouragement to you. Don't give up. Keep reading. Keep reading. Say that with me. Keep reading. Now, here's another heads up. You may also run into something that steps on your toes. In fact, how about if we get interactive one more time? Would you take one foot and just step on your other foot? Go ahead and do that. I was going to have you step on your neighbor's foot, (laughs) but I wasn't sure how that would turn out. But the Bible's going to do that every once in a while. It's going to step on your toes. In fact, it's really interesting if you look at it. In Western culture, in our culture, the West, we tend to read something in the Bible like, forgive your enemies. And we open our arms to something like that. But then we read what the Bible has to say about sexuality, and in the West, we close our arms to what the Bible says about that. But it's way different if you go to the Middle East. If you go to the Middle Eastern culture, they're wide open to what the Bible says about sexuality. But when it comes to forgiving your enemies, they close their arms to something like that. You see, the Bible was written in a culture, but it is above culture. And so at some point, it's going to step on the toes of every culture, and it's going to step on your toes every once in a while. But here is my encouragement to you. If you run into something that steps on your toes, don't give up. Keep reading. Say that with me. Keep reading. Because if you will consistently lean into the Scriptures, and submit your life to the scriptures and bring your life under the authority of scriptures, here is what you will eventually discover. The Bible says this, the law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. And it continues, the fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. Does anybody in the house like honey? My wife for a number of years has been interested in bees and having a beehive. And you know what they say? Happy wife, happy life. And so guess what we have in our backyard? 
We have a beehive. Now, I wasn't crazy about it, but <laughs> my wife wanted it, and so we put a beehive in our backyard. And I have to admit, I have to admit, there's one great thing about having bees buzzing around in your backyard, and that is you end up with honey. This is honey from our beehive. And honey is good. Honey is good in tea. Honey is good over a warm piece of bread. You can put honey on just about anything and it makes it better. And the Bible says something that grabs your attention that when you get a hold of the Bible and the Bible gets hold of you, Martin Luther said, the Bible has feet, it runs after me. That it has hands, it lays hold of me. And when you take hold of the Bible and the Bible takes hold of you, when you get into the Bible and the Bible gets into you, when you immerse yourself into the scriptures and the scriptures immerse themselves into you, eventually what you discover is this. Taste and see that the Lord and his word is good. And if, yeah, let's give him praise. Amen. What does that honey look like? Well, not too long ago, a major university, their uh, center for human flourishing, they did a study on the connection between Bible reading and the level of hope in people's hearts. And here's what they found. They found that people that read the Bible three to four times a year had a level of hope of 42. Between one and 100, that was their level of hope. People who read their Bible on a monthly basis had a level of hope of 58. People who read their Bible on a weekly basis had a level of hope of 66. But people who read their Bible multiple times a week and four times a week seems to be a tipping point they had a level of hope of 75. In other words, when you immerse yourself in the scriptures and the scriptures immerse themselves in you, the level of hope you have in your heart starts rising. Taste and see that the Lord is good. So let me ask you a question to bring it home and we'll wrap things up. Here's the question. What word really, what word are you allowing to shape your life? Because everyone has a sacred text, everybody. You have some word that is shaping your life. And so what word are you gonna allow to shape your life? Some people, their lives are shaped by the word of culture. Other people, their lives are shaped by the word of the enemy. What word are you going to allow to shape your life? Everyone has a sacred text. Jesus said this about his words. He said, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation 
on the rock. My encouragement to you is to build your life on the rock-solid foundation of the word of Jesus Christ. It's like honey from the honeycomb and all God's people said. Are you going to read your Bible? No, actually I'm going to hear from God. God has an appointment with you every day in his word. And I'm gonna invite you one more time, if you'd stand with me, please. I wanna wrap up my sermon with a declaration. In just a moment, we're gonna baptize and celebrate. But before we do that, I invite you to make this declaration with me. Our friend, Pastor Joel Osteen, he makes this declaration before every sermon. And so I've borrowed slash stole it from him. And if we can say it together, let's affirm our value of the word, our confidence in the word, that we trust in the breath of God that's given the word of God. Let's declare this together. Can you say it with me? This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Today I will be taught the word of God. I boldly confess my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I will never be the same. I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Hallelujah! Father, I pray for all of us that once again, our hearts would be reignited with a love for you and a love for your word. That we would once again value scripture. That we would place a high priority upon scripture. And we would submit to the authority of scripture knowing that you're a good God who shows us a good path. And we find that path in your word. I pray God that this week that you would breathe on all of us that you would open our minds and open our eyes and that we would encounter you and your voice in your word that each of us have an appointment with you this week and that appointment will be found in your word and we pray that in jesus name for jesus glory all god's people said amen, amen. one more time can we give god praise amen hallelujah And Pastor Vaughn's coming out. We're gonna baptize a couple of people in just a moment. We baptized 26 people in between service, amen. And how exciting. And Pastor Vaughn, would you lead us? Let's celebrate who we have in Jesus Christ, amen. Somebody shout hallelujah. Can we put our hands together? God, praise right now. God, I've got my regrets I was a wretched man 
Run me on down to the water Met me by the riverside And you took me in Drowned my sin And said dead man come alive moment and so we're going to go into the waters of baptism let me say if you have somebody that you've been praying for and you think they're never going to turn around don't give up remember I mentioned that comic book critic earlier that my buddy worked with in high tech well he kept a bridge built to that guy and eventually that guy came full circle and today he watches reruns of Billy Graham on the internet totally come full circle don't give up you can see your friend right here in the waters of baptism. Kimberly, let me ask you a question. Have you put your faith and trust in Jesus? Yes, I have. You've surrendered your life to him. Amen. Upon that confession of faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. Down with you. 
and up with a new hallelujah. All right, here comes Isaiah. That's awesome. My dad used to say, the happiest place in a hospital is the maternity ward where new babies are being born. And boy, there's nothing like new birth, spiritual new birth to bring joy. Let me ask you a question, Isaiah. Have you put your trust in Jesus? You've surrendered your life to him. And God's got a good dream for your life. Hold on to that, buddy. Upon that confession of faith in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, we now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit, down with the old. And up with the new. Hallelujah. It's awesome, Isaiah. Yeah. And now we got Josiah. Oh, Josiah, how old are you, buddy? He's 10 years old. Man, when I was a youngster just like you, boy, I surrendered my life to Jesus. It's been a great journey. I'm so proud of you, Josiah. Have you, sur- you, you put your faith and trust in Jesus? You've surrendered your life to him. Upon that confession of faith in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, we now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. Down with the old and up with the new. Hallelujah. Here we go. Darius, awesome buddy. Isn't it great seeing all the young people getting baptized? Amen. It's awesome, buddy. Darius, have you put your faith and trust in Jesus? You've surrendered your life to him. Upon that confession of faith in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, we now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. Down with the old and up with the new. Hallelujah. Hey, Michael. Oh, this is awesome. Man, Michael, have you put your faith and trust in Jesus? You surrendered your life to him. Upon that confession of faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. Down with the old. And up with a new, hallelujah. Oh my. We're gonna, oh yes. Thank you, Pastor Ann. We're gonna go out singing that song. Before we do, just a couple of uh, quick things. First of all, if you need prayer, our team will be out at the amphitheater to pray with you and for you. If you haven't seen the I Am Courageous, the immersive experience in the chapel, well, I encourage you to do that right after service. And don't forget Wednesday night with Dr. Ed, the world is coming to Cathedral of Faith. It's such an honor to have Ed and Ruth with us as a part of the Cathedral family. And I want you to give, this is right from our backyard, Dr. Ed. And so we love you. We appreciate you, Ruth. We love you so much. And it's so great to have you here. God bless you. Oh, I love my Cathedral family. Are you ready to hear from God this week? Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine brightly upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you and give you his peace. And this week, especially this week, may the breath of the Spirit, make the breath of his word come alive in your heart. And I pray this in the name of the Father, 
and the Son and the Holy Spirit. All God's people said, Amen. Amen. God blesses you. Go. Have an awesome, awesome day.